Hello and welcome to Dad's Sort of Coping. On this episode, we are going to talk about the top 10 health tips for dads. These are health tips I think that everybody can benefit from, whether you're a dad or an R, but these are ones that I've specifically chosen to help dads, so they're even more relevant. Uh, The word health, I think we all know what it means. Generally, of course, you're like, yeah, I know what health means. You don't need to explain that, you idiot. But I guess just to frame it for the sake of this podcast, we are talking about food and we are talking about exercise slash sports. So great food, great eating habits mixed up with exercise, sport, moving your body, etc. So if you think about it as in what you put in your body and then what you do with your body, Uh, That's ultimately going to lead to great energy, great mood, a sense of confidence, uh, a strong immune system, a lack of stress in your life. That's always nice. Being your best self for your missus. I don't think there's anything wrong in in some of it being about vanity. Um, Presumably, when you met your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, um, the reason you liked them was because they were attractive to you and vice versa. And so I think health and wellness, uh, yes, of course, it's about longevity and having uh, an internal system that's optimal, but it's also about looking good as well. And I don't think there's anything wrong about that being part of your motivation. Um, And then longer term, it's about being pain-free. I'm mid-30s now. My left knee starting to get a bit creaky. And I fear that that might be part of the general getting older thing. Um, And so, yes, you want to be able to move around with your kids and your grandkids without having aches and pains, a bad back. You don't want to be one of those old people. Uh, Setting an example for your child or your your kids in the future, I think that's really important as well. Um, My three-year-old was perfectly happy eating bits of chicken and and egg and broccoli. Uh, And then the first day he ever tasted... Uh, a bit of ice cream, it was game over. And so you as a parent, you have to set good examples. And, you know, really, you have to be as brutal as not keeping any unhealthy food in your house. Because while you might have the discipline and willpower to avoid it, it will lead to so many headaches with your kid. If they see ice cream in the fridge, if they see chocolate bars just around in the cupboards, they're going to be obsessed with them. And so you sort of owe it to your kids to set a good example and live a healthy lifestyle as well. And yeah, as I said, living long, living a long life. I don't want to live forever, but I'm sure um, you guys, you know, you don't want to disappear too early. You want to hang around for a while and have a good quality of life. So when I say health, it's all that stuff. It's what you put inside your body and it's what you do with your body to have a sense of uh, living the best life you possibly can for as long as possible. So without further ado, less preamble, less context, Let's just get straight into the top 10. So how we're going to structure this is number one to five uh, is about fitness. So it's the things you do with your body. And then number six to number 10 will be more so what goes into your body. So that's the way we'll, we'll sort of break up the different tips for this. Number one. And this is one that you're not going to like. Number one is you simply have to prioritize your health. You just got to do it. Yep. I know that everyone says it's it's vital. But if you haven't cared before about your health, wellness, fitness, now has to be the time. And you owe it to your kid. Um, And you might be thinking, well, I'm stressed. I have less time than ever. I've got so much responsibilities. Life feels really difficult. 
And that's exactly why you should find a way to fit in some form of exercise. And there's no easy way to do this. You just have to look through your seven-day week and how you spend those 24 hours. And there's certain things, of course, you, you can't scrimp on. I think sleep, if you're getting much less than seven and seven hours sleep a night, there's a, there's a bit of a problem there. Um, and you will have work as well. And you'll have responsibilities as far as the kid. But I think you need to make a deal with your wife or your girlfriend or whoever it is, that health, fitness, whatever that might be, is incredibly important. This isn't you um, asking your wife, hey, can I go to the pub with my mates to watch Super Sunday? This is about you trying to create the best version of yourself long term, not just so you're pleasant to be around, but it's also so that when you're 50, 60, 70, you're in the best physical shape you can be. Um, So you just have to prioritize it. And essentially, it becomes something that is a mandatory every single week. And we'll get into a little bit of detail as to how much exercise and health and wellness is needed, of course. But generally, tip number one is prioritize it like it's the most important thing on earth. Next up is you should try to find activities that tick all the boxes. Uh, So what I mean by that is... For me, Tuesday night football is the perfect example of this. So after work on a Tuesday, um, I play six aside about seven o'clock. So I get the exercise, but it's also with some of my best mates, the guys I lived with at uni, so I'm getting to see them as well. Um, It's also a chance, I guess, to express myself, um, not thinking about myself as a dad or not thinking about work stuff, just being free. Um, on the football pitch. And so for me, Tuesday night football is the perfect use of time. Unfortunately, I can't stay afterwards for the pints, but I get to spend an hour a week with my friends doing something I fucking love that just so happens to be healthy. So you need to try and work out what your version of that is. Something that is not just exercise, but is adding more to your life than kind of just being fit. Number three Somewhat related, uh, this is thinking about doing activities that have the highest return. So my football example is something that ticks a lot of boxes. But there are also other activities which just strictly from a fitness point of view offer the highest return in the shortest amount of time. If you've listened to this before any of these episodes, you will know that time is going to be one of the hardest things for you. Therefore, you need to focus on the things that give the highest return. CrossFit. I believe to be one of them. I do CrossFit twice a week. Um, It's an hour at most. You're in and out. You know, you get there. um, You do five to ten minute warm up. You then do your exercise. um, Use your strength session. uh, And then a workout of the day kind of at the end with a little cool down. And within an hour walking in in the CrossFit box, leaving the CrossFit box, you'll be absolutely fucked. And it'll push you beyond all limits. And if you get to do that type of thing one or two times a week alongside something like a football or whatever group activity with your friends you enjoy, could be rugby, basketball, badminton, whatever it is, um, that's a really great way of structuring your week. So it doesn't have to be CrossFit, obviously. Um, F45 is a good example of that. Um, Barry's Boot Camp. Um, High-intensity interval training is another big thing as well. Now, 
Group classes tend to be the easiest way because you push yourselves and they are a set amount of time. It's not you just turning up to the gym and sort of crossing your fingers that you you've have the motivation inside. Um, but if you do go to the gym, there are ways to sort of recreate this high return uh, mindset. So one of the ways I like to do that is um, I have a little sprint routine on a treadmill. Um, the sprint routine in total lasts no more than 30 minutes and every single time it destroys me. Uh, so for that 30 minutes, you have a five minute warm up where you're doing kind of the usual dynamic stretches that you might do before you go for a jog, um, so, you know, high knees, uh, maybe some static stretches as well if there's something that's feeling particularly tight. Uh, and at the end of the, the session, you also have a five minute cool down, which again, classic kind of cool down activities. The key part is the middle 20 minutes of that 30 minutes. And that's where the hard work really happens. And 20 minutes feels um, mentally quite achievable. That's only that's the bit where the pain is and the hard work. And so what I do is one minute walk on the treadmill, one minute sprint. And I do that 10 times. So if you're good at maths, you've worked it out. Yep, that's 20 minutes. Uh, the walk is kind of about four miles an hour, you know, six and a half kilometers an hour, about that. It's a very slow walk pace. Um, and the sprint, obviously, each person is going to have their their sort of level of sprinting. Um, but what that should be is something that you can just about complete but you sort of finish it and think, thank God I got to the end of that minute. So for me, that's about 12 miles an hour, uh, which is around 19 kilometers an hour. Um, that's probably a little bit at the faster end. So I think it's it's for you to work out going up from about 10 miles an hour. Um, and if you're finding it easy, of course, you, you start to ramp up the speed. The good thing is with a lot of the new treadmills, they will have a setting that's sometimes called speed shift or interval training. And so at the, once you've done your five-minute warm-up, you go onto the treadmill, you type in 20 minutes, and then you say, um, you know, speed one is four miles an hour, speed two is 12 miles an hour. Um, that first sprint you do, you'll, you'll be able to finish without too much of a struggle. Uh, like I said, you'll be glad that the minute is up. The first three sprints will feel relatively easy and you're wondering wait am I going to get um am I going to get a good workout here but I think the key thing is it will get harder and harder right up until that 10th sprint because that minute you're having isn't quite enough for you to fully recover um you need more like 90 seconds to 2 minutes to recover from something kind of that's all out work effort and so gradually the fourth sprint fifth sprint sixth is getting harder and harder and harder and then it's that classic mental thing where once you get onto the seventh and eighth sprint, you're thinking, oh, right, I'm nearly at the end of this. I can do it. And actually it gets easier again. It's really that middle phase that I find to be the hardest. Um, the key thing here is you are going from fairly um, relaxing work effort to something that's very high output. Um, and you're doing it for a small amount of time and then stopping, recovering a little bit, doing it again, doing it again. And I find, like I said, whether it, it's CrossFit, F45 Barry's, which is more kind of circuit training, or you're going for high intensity interval training, in a very short amount of time, you will get a brilliant workout. It's not an hour and a half to two hours fucking around at the gym. It's very structured. It is hard, but the benefits you get from it and the use of time is absolutely kind of invaluable. Four is about building in active recovery days. Uh, so active recovery is like this phrase that's come up and become sort of cool in the last few years. Basically what it means is days where you're not just sitting on the couch like a little slug, 
but it's also not days where you're absolutely smashing your body. Um, so there's there's movement, there's stretching, there's a sense of looking after yourself, um, generally helping your fitness uh, and longevity, but without, I guess, that, you know, the sweat and the pain. So what I try to aim for is four days a week of proper exercise. So that might be, as I mentioned, two days a week of CrossFit, um, one night of football, and then maybe a gym session which uh, there's weights, potentially a bit of sprinting in there as well. Um, and then I'll have two days, which is about lighter activity, um, which we'll call sort of this active recovery idea. So the, the types of activities we're meaning there, uh, it could be yoga, it could be Pilates, it could be simply sitting in the sauna and having a bit of a stretch. It could be a nice long walk, um, a, relax, a relaxed, I was trying to say relaxed cycle, um, and then the final thing as well might be stretching, you know, while you're watching TV, um, you know, with YouTube these days and the internet, you can find a little yoga routine or stretching routine, we'll call it. Um, I think yo- the word yoga seems to put people off, but when you just say a stretching routine, people are like, oh yeah, 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 I could do a bit of that. Um, so the point is you're keeping the body moving, um, you're addressing any issues or tightness, but you're not killing yourself. Um, and then I'd say probably one day where you do completely chill if you want to. Um, it's the cheesy thing of you have to listen to your body. Um, I generally won't have a complete chill day a week. I quite like um, doing something every day. Uh, less probably about fitness gains and more mentally. I, I quite like that. Um, I find it a bit of a stress reliever. So, you know, just take it all of this with a pinch of salt. But around four-ish days a week of proper hard exercise, heart rate up, sweating, uh, likely to lead to sore muscles afterwards, not sore joints, you don't never want that, but sore muscles, um, and then two to three days of lighter activity and potentially one of them being a complete chill day. Uh, number five is really think about your routine. So this is slightly different. Number one was just about, listen, you have to prioritize it. But number five is... Take your average week and think of all the little hacks and places that you can inject a bit of fitness um, and movement of your body. So a really simple thing might be your commute. Um, I live in Fulham but work in Shoreditch and it would have been very easy for me without even thinking to say, all right, well, I have to get the tube. It's nearly an hour. Uh, grim, blah, 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 and, and feel sort of a bit sorry for myself and just accept that that's now my life. But for some reason, I was like, wait, maybe I could just jog. And so I looked at jogging and it was just unrealistic. It'd be about eight miles each way, 16 miles a day, five days a week, just not something my body would be able to handle. But then, of course, the next thought was, hmm, cycling. Now, cycling, of course, is a, li- is a little bit dangerous. Um, the yes, you you get wet when it's raining and sometimes it's a little bit cold. But all of a sudden, cycling to work and cycling back, for the most part, became this amazing um, sort of fitness bit of my life every single day. And not only that, but mentally, it's so different to get in the tube. The tube, um, it's, you know, obviously rammed. Um, everyone's looking pissed off. It, it's not the best example of humanity. Whereas you cycling to work, whether it's raining or blazing sunshine, um, it's like a little adventure. You find new bits of the city that you maybe hadn't noticed before. Um, and so that was an example of me looking at my routine and finding a place where fitness could be in there. So for you, it could be simply joining a gym near work so that uh, a few days a week you leave early for work and go to the gym 
or absolute ideal, and I know not many jobs seem to have this anymore with the fucking crazy schedules we all have, but obviously lunchtime is the perfect place to go, uh, you know, or perfect time to go to the gym. Um, Other little hacks might be using the stairs instead of using uh, the lift or an elevator. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, um, if you do get time to watch TV, uh, even if it is something brilliant, you know, it could be Westworld, Top Boy, whatever it is, bring a bit of stretching into that, foam rolling, um, just no downtime. And before you know it, uh, it becomes part of your weekly routine and it's just something you do without even thinking. It's almost automated. I think a lot of these fitness um, programs uh, and the ideal is where it is part of your life. It's no longer this separate thing that you feel like you have to do. It's something that's as important as, as you know, brushing your teeth, uh, hanging out with your wife, spending time with the kids, going to the park. It's just something you do. And that's really what you have to do when it comes to fitness. Um, So that was number one to five, what you do with your body. We are now going to look at what you put into your body. Next up, number six is to be aware of calories. So calories, uh, maybe it's something you're already thinking about. If so, brilliant. You can can skip forward a few minutes. Um, But if not, or you haven't done it in a while, I would start to track your calories. Weight gain and weight loss is a little bit more complicated than the the calorie equation, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, Increasingly, there can be issues to do with metabolism, uh, potentially hormones that can lead to weight gain or indeed sometimes weight loss. But generally, the formula remains the same. If you are consuming more calories than you use in an average day, you are going to put on weight. Now, if you are trying to build muscle, that can be a good thing. But if you're not trying to build muscle or you're not exercising to a certain degree, um, that will simply start to manifest as fat. And, you know, day by day, you're not necessarily going to notice getting fatter from being one or 200 calories over. But over time, yes, that absolutely will start to lead to to fat fat gain. Um, So one pound of fat, just for reference, is about 3,500 calories. So if, you know, every day you're 200, 300 calories over, you can see that within sort of two to three weeks, you're about to put on a pound of fat. Now, over the course of a year, two years, three years, et cetera, et cetera, you can imagine that you might get to a point that you're, you know, you're middle-aged and you put on way more fat than you think. And a lot of people will blame it on, well, your metabolism slows down, uh, you don't have as much testosterone, et cetera, et cetera. But generally, it will be you're sleeping less, you're exercising less, and you're eating more shit food. And, you know, a lot of people are starting to suggest now that the weight gain that men have in their middle age isn't quite as, you know, directly related to metabolism as we'd like to think. And that just is a convenient excuse for people being lazy or not prioritizing. So, yes, calories in, calories out. Um, you know, there's a bit more to it than just that. But I think just focus on that for now. Um, and I think if you're, you know, if you're eating healthy and exercising, your hormones will look after themselves. Um, occasionally, yes, you might need to go to a doctor. There are extreme cases of, of hormone problems. But generally, um, the chances are you're not going to be that person. And you just need to think about your calories. There is a brilliant app out there called MyFitnessPal. Uh, there is a free version of it, which is good enough. Um, and that free version 
will basically, you can scan uh, the barcode of any food that you're eating, or you can just type in the food. Uh, occasionally, um, you know, the barcode doesn't quite work, or maybe you're eating something at a restaurant and um, it's simply, there isn't a, a barcode to scan, but you can type it in. It has an insane database. It covers absolutely everything you'd ever want. And then you put in the amount that you're eating. So is it two portions, you know, two apples or half a portion of chips, whatever it might be. Um, so not only will that give you the overall calories a day you're using, average man, it's about 2,600 calories. Um, but there's loads of different websites uh, and apps that you basically plug in your your height, your current weight, your age and how active you are in an average week and it will kind of pull out a figure there or you can go a level beyond that uh, and start getting into sort of decks of body scans um, and more I guess scientific ways of measuring how much muscle you have on your body how much fat um, and that will give you a sort of decent calorie figure to, to think about and, and use on an average day so my fitness pal will, will give you that overall figure of what you're consuming but you know as useful is you'll start to see the different types of food and how many calories they have um, the interesting thing is that some food that you really really like will have less calories than you're expecting which might be great news um, and then some food that you really really like has crazy calorific content so you have to uh, you have to pay attention I think you know use my fitness power for a week or two um, just to really kind of understand what you're eating and we tend to be creatures of habit um, I'd say that you know 90% of what you consume in an average week is pretty consistent week by week. You might go out for a one-off meal or you might see something at the supermarket and try it out. But generally, you're probably eating mostly the same types of things. So all it would take is a week or two to get a sense of, of how many calories you take in each day and where the calories come from. Um, but, you know, obviously use it long term. I'd still track it every single day um, just because uh, I noticed that when I am tracking it, I tend to be a bit more mindful about what I eat. Like I said, you're not, we don't want you to be skinny, anorexic, losing weight, starving all the time. It's not about that. It's simply staying on top of the foods that have good calories, that satiate you, that make sure that you're not getting over that 2,600 figure. Next up, um, so this is number seven, is learning a little bit about macronutrients or macros or what, or what they're called. Again, if you know all this stuff already, you might think that um, this is kind of dumbing stuff down. But basically, food is broken down into three types of, uh, or sorry, made up of three types of macronutrients. So you have carbohydrates, which generally will give you energy. Um, you then have protein, which help the body repair itself and build muscle and then you have fats that are used the brain tends to use fat as well um, it can be linked to sort of lubricating joints um, lots of other functions as well that I'm sure you can read about but the key point is that my fitness pal will tell you your macronutrient breakdown and a pretty good guide um, for the average person is about 45% carbs um, and then you're looking at about 35%, let's say, protein, maybe more like 40% protein, and then the rest healthy fats. And so if your calories are coming from them, you should feel satiated. Your body should be getting the combination of nutrients that it needs to do all the different functions. Um, you know, obviously, if those are too far out of whack, it can start to cause problems. Um, depending on, there are certain diets out there. So if you're familiar with the keto diet, that really dials down carbohydrates and dials up fats. So that is, you know, that 
there is good science behind that as well but um, obviously explore that if you want to but as a first step just start learning about uh, the macros carbs are not your enemy but if you're overeating carbs um, at kind of the uh, you know and you're you're having less of the other things that starts to be a problem the next up number eight is I think we have to be realistic with ourselves and our willpower and what I mean by that is if you have shitty food in the house you will be drawn to that shitty food one of the days. You might have chocolate in the house and it's hidden in a cupboard um, or cake, whatever it is, muffins, and they're sitting there. And on Monday, you're like, no, 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 I have the willpower. Tuesday, I have the willpower. Wednesday, I have the willpower. Thursday, you have a bad day at work and you're like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to treat myself. Or maybe you had a great day at work and you're thinking, fuck it, I'm going to treat myself. That shitty food in your house will 100% get eaten by somebody, you, um, within a certain amount of time. And so I would just be realistic with willpower and prepare. So no shitty food in the house. Uh, If you know you like to snack, have your house full of healthy snacks. I also think taking it one step further is think about when you're outside the house, how do you set yourself up for success? So meal prepping is probably the best example of this. If you can get into the habit of meal prepping, which is fucking hard when you have a kid and you don't have a lot of time, but on a Sunday, you make more food than you need, you put it in a few Tupperware containers, that's food for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at work, and then maybe that Wednesday evening you do a little bit of meal prepping again, or simply you just say, all right, well, Thursdays and Fridays, Um, I might be out for work lunches. I want to be social. I'll eat out as well. Um, I don't need to meal prep for those days. That's absolutely fine. But the gold standard would be meal prepping all the time, um, carrying healthy snacks with you that you really enjoy, but you know aren't full of shit. And then your house should be clean and absent of bad food as well. Um, one of the things is if you have bad food in the house, it's not just your willpower, you'll be dealing with a toddler's willpower. Uh, And so we had an example recently where my wife bought some ice cream she likes. Um, She's fairly disciplined, she won't just like golf it down in a second. Um, But it was in the fri- in the in the freezer, and my son every morning looks in the fridge and freezer just to see what's in there. I think he finds it fascinating, and he saw the ice cream, and it's you know seven thirty in the morning, and we're having um, a tantrum about ice cream that he wants to have for breakfast. So not only for yourself, but for the sake of your own sanity as, as a parent, I think avoiding bad food in the house is key. Number nine is the idea of time restricted eating which you might also have heard of referred to as intermittent fasting. Now, there's loads of amazing science out there about uh, time-restricted eating. Uh, I'm certainly not qualified enough to talk it through in detail, um, and uh, probably this isn't the the right type of podcast for that. I think uh, what I'm trying to do with this is give you uh, the key points, the key tips, and then, you know, if those are things that you're interested in, obviously you'll go off and have a look at it yourself. Um, Time-restricted eating intermittent fasting, um, a really dumbed down version of the science, which always helped me uh, kind of understand it and have explained it to people is your body basically has three states that it's in. So state one is when it's in the growth state. And that is when you have food in your system. um, And it's digesting food, uh, drinks, whatever is is in your body that you've consumed that day. Um, your body is going through a process of breaking that food down, sending it out to all the different parts of your bodies, 
or your body, sorry, and effectively it's this kind of growth stage. And when you have that food in your system, most of your body's energy is focused on dealing with that food in the right way, removing toxins and getting it to the, the right parts of the body uh, for the good, good things that are in there, the nutrients. Then there's another stage that it's in when it's not focused on digesting food, um, it is uh, somewhat repairing itself. So it's doing an audit, and again, I'm, I'm kind of dumbing this down, but just go with the analogy. Uh, your body or your systems are scanning all the different parts of you, the cells, it's cleaning out all the crap that's within the cells, um, it's killing off dead cells or fighting dead cells, it's potentially looking at immune system uh, functions as well. Um, but generally, like I said, State number one is growth. State number two is repair. And then the third state, um, when you're not getting enough food at all over a long amount of time, is starvation mode. And that's when the body, basically the alarm bells go off and your body starts holding on weight, um, making you a bit more sluggish, reducing your metabolism, um, slowing you down, basically. So clearly the third state there, which is the starvation mode, uh, is not something you ever want to get to. But I think one of the problems in the Western world, um, all the cr you know chronic disease on the rise, diseases of, of excess, is that our bodies are always in this growth state. Um, your body rarely gets into this repair mode when there's no food in the system. It's not trying to um, digest your food and move nutrients and remove waste. So your body, I guess, is constantly distracted by food. And it sort of makes sense. So if you imagine uh, a typical day from the moment you wake up to the moment you get to sleep, you're eating food, um, you're grazing between meals, you're snacking, um, and then you go to sleep and you might sleep for seven or eight hours. Your body's just about dealt with all the food. And then you wake up again and the first thing you do is grab breakfast. So time-restricted eating, very simply, is creating this window uh, across your day, which might be six or seven hours where you consume all of your calories. Um, and it means that, you know, yes, there's a bit of a lag when the body has to digest all that food, but you could get to a point where you have 18 hours where you're not directly taking in food. Um, so you might end up with of that 18 hours, you have six of those hours where the body can repair itself. So an extreme version of this is fasting. Every religion in the world has some form of fasting built into it. And the science around fasting, again, is, is really powerful. Uh, the repair function that your body can get into with lack of food, um, there's all sorts of um, studies that look at how it affects longevity, basically how long you live, um, and then how you can avoid certain chronic illnesses as well, which clearly is really important. Um, weight loss, yes, a bit of that as well, but I don't think we should focus on that. This isn't about you starving yourself um, or losing dramatic weight necessarily. This is about your body repairing itself um, and making you the most optimal version you can be, depending on your age. So what I do, and I've done for the last five or six years, um, is I will only eat my meals between 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. I still get my 2,600 calories in, sometimes a little bit more if I've been exercising a lot that particular day. So I have my first meal at 1 p.m. I might have, so we, you could call that breakfast, which is breaking fast, breaking fasting, um, now, I don't eat breakfast-type food. That first meal of the day is absolutely critical. And a lot of the food that we think of as breakfast, so whether that's cereal, orange juice, croissants, tends to be very, very carb-heavy. Uh, mentioned it you know, earlier, carbs are good for you, 
but carbs can create a spike uh, in insulin in your body and set you off on this kind of up and down thing where you get a huge rush of energy, but then you have this crash and you're craving carbs again. So that first meal of the day should really have that perfect um, macronutrient profile I mentioned earlier. Um, but actually, even more so, you could dial up the protein and the healthy fats because both of them will make you feel l- fuller for longer um, and avoids that up and down thing that too many carbs can lead to. So first meal of the day around 1 p.m. I might have my second meal of the day around 3 or 4 p.m. Uh, and then I have my big meal, or, or sorry, dinner. I shouldn't say big meal because it probably shouldn't be a big meal. But I have my final meal around 7 p.m. Um, the reason I said it shouldn't be a big meal is there's this sort of interesting thing in the West which goes against general common sense, which is we will start off the day with breakfast, uh, usually something you grab quickly, full of carbs, which then turns into sugar, affects the body in in a bad way. You then might have a quick lunch at work and then you get home and this is just before you're about to go to sleep when in theory your body's at its slowest, you don't need a lot of energy and you have a massive meal for dinner. Um, And they actually think we should look at it the other way around. So if you're the type of person that has three meals a day, um, you should have the biggest meal of the day first and then gradually it kind of reduces the amount across the rest of the day. So I have my three meals of the day. I also, yeah, I I snack in between. I try to eat healthy things. So certain kinds of fruit that aren't too sugar heavy, um, nuts, maybe some vegetables. I want to say that I eat vegetables as snacks, but I guess that's sort of bullshit. Occasionally I might eat carrots, um, but generally it will be bits of fruits. So, you know, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, maybe an apple, uh, and then different types of nuts. There are certain cereals out there that, that can be healthy as well. I quite like bran flakes. If you're gluten intolerant, you have to stay away from most of that stuff. Um, so yeah, porridge, bran flakes, low sugar, um, low sugar cereal can be quite a nice snack as well. Um, and the point is that after 7 p.m. or 6 p.m., depending on exactly when I finish, after 7 p.m., I don't eat anything else. Yes, I can drink um, you know, water. In the morning when I'm not eating to 1pm, I'm still having black coffee, green teas, water, um, potentially like a little squeeze of lemon in there as well. But you're not taking in anything that has significant calories. And so your body, once it has done digesting, which might be around 11 o'clock at night, maybe around midnight, it can spend the rest of the time. So from midnight till midday, repairing itself. Uh, So yeah, it's an amazing method which the science as i said it is proven there's a brilliant documentary which you'll find online which was uh by dr michael mosley it was originally on the bbc and it was called how to eat and he came to uh he basically did a a bunch the last one number 10 is having no or very little little liquid calories so your body has a few ways to know that it's full um, one of it is if food enters your stomach, your stomach literally stretches, which sends messages to the brain. But another thing is about uh, chewing and a certain amount of chewing indicates to your body that a certain amount of food is entering uh, your system and you will start to feel full. Um, and so there are various different sensors that, that go off when you're taking in food. Uh, One of the big things is with liquid calories, your body doesn't get those same senses. So you might consume a drink that's 400 calories um, and that goes into your body 
as 400 calories, of course, but your body isn't thinking that that's 400 calories worth of food. You know, if you compare that to eating five apples, which might be about 400 calories, if you have five apples, you just your jaw would be tired. But liquid calories, it's very easy to go over that 2,600, 2,700 number that we talked about earlier. So I would avoid all fruit juices. I would avoid cans of Coke. I'm sure I don't need you to tell, to tell you that. Um, any of these drinks that aren't water, I'd just be really careful about. Uh, black coffee, fine. Tea with a bit of milk. I wouldn't do dairy personally, but uh, almond milk, whatever you want to use, fine. But just keep an eye on that because before you know it, you could eat you know a thousand calories gone in a day just because of a few drinks. And so on that note, uh, the elephant in the room might be alcohol, booze, loudmouth juice, whatever you want to call it. Um, Again, I'm not saying like don't drink. Um, I think booze is there's lots of great benefits of it, like social lubricant um, can help you relax. Um, I don't think you need to get rid of booze. It's not you know if you have a bit of self control, of course. Um, but I think the key points again is really start paying attention to the drinks you're getting. So depending on uh, the the brand of alcohol or sorry the brand of beer, just an example here, um, a bottle could be. A 330 ml bottle of beer could be anything from about 100 calories. So we're talking here like Bud Lights, Michelob Ultras, uh, Coors Light, all, all the lighter beers. Um, Coronas are pretty low calories as well. Around 100, 120 calories there. Uh, all the way up to a kind of darker beer, so a stout. Um, one of, you know, a Camden Hell, one of the richer lagers, that could be up to 300 calories. So right there, you have a situation where without you, you're thinking, oh, I'm just having a drink, of, you know, I'm having a few pints, I'm having a few beers. You could be drinking a beer that has three times the calories of a different beer and you're not even realizing it. So I'd start to really pay attention to that. The absolute best, in my opinion, is Michelob Ultra. Quite hard to get in the UK. Um, certainly you can't really get it in pubs. You can find it in certain supermarkets. Uh, in the US, it, it's more prevalent. Um, but yeah, I keep an eye out for the other light beers as well. Bud Light, Coors Light, etc. Now you might say, I fucking hate American beers. I hate the taste of those beers. They're shitty. It's just, you know, piss, uh, warm piss. And, and that's fine. And if you want to go for the 300, 400 calorie pints or bottles, go for it. But just be aware that that's what you're doing. And don't be shocked when you start putting on weight. And what it might mean is that you have to compromise somewhere else. So one of my biggest, comp I love stouts and stouts are, are pretty bad. The Russian stouts, especially, you know, three, four hundred, maybe five hundred calories uh, in a pint, which is a lot. Um, so what I do is if I am going to get pissed, I have a deal with myself where I make sure I don't eat shit. And if I'm going out with my mates and I know I'll be coming back to my house later, I'll have meal prepped a healthy filling meal that's sitting at home in the fridge or in the oven or in the microwave that's just ready to go. Because the temptation is as much as you think, well, I'll have a few drinks and I'll come home and cook something healthy. You will definitely not do that. You will go to McDonald's or you'll get a kebab or you'll come home and stick a pizza in the microwave. So just be realistic and honest with yourself. You know yourself better than anyone, or at least you should. Um, and you know your weak spots. And if you can try and create these little systems and frameworks where you're never tempted to get ill-disciplined, eat shit, um, it will make your life so much easier. And I think with all these things from one to 10, 
You're not going to see insane results overnight or even in a week. But the point is, as soon as you become a dad, you're on this sort of 18-year journey from the kid being a baby to your kid going, let's say, to university or starting work full-time. And those 18 years are going to fucking fly by. The three years already uh, of my first son have, have flown by. And if all these little decisions, if you're making good decisions, they will compound over time and you will not even have to, to think about these things uh, and the benefits will, will get bigger and bigger and bigger. They're greater than the sum of their parts. Similarly, as I mentioned before, if you don't prioritize this shit and you get into bad habits after 18 years of this, you will wake up in your late 40s, mid 50s, maybe you've just hit 60 and you'll be a fucking mess. And imagine how difficult it is at 60 to turn around 18 years of bad behavior, how much, you know, the lack of energy you're going to have. Also, you sort of lose the motivation when you're 60. You might be thinking, well, I'm already nearly dead. Who gives a fuck? But the point is, set yourself up be proactive. And then hopefully, 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 um, by the time you get to later life, you'll be able to enjoy time with your kid, with your grandkids and potentially beyond that. So those were the top 10 health tips. Um, some of them I think are applicable to everybody. You don't have to be a dad, but um, I, I did try to cater these two dads, things that I've found easiest over the past three years, things that I found useful, and also some tough lessons along the way that I found um, about how, you know, whatever my good intentions are, if I don't set up systems to, um, to make my life easier, I will make mistakes along the way. Uh, so number one was you just have to prioritize health and wellness. Um, there is no other way, no other alternatives. And fuck, there's no excuses. Um, you can make excuses, but none of them are valid. Uh, number two is to find activities that tick all the boxes. So activities that, you know, break a sweat, allow you to hang out with friends, express yourself, stress relieving. Those activities are absolutely vital because that hour you spend doing them has implications far beyond uh, and really can become the highlight of your week. Uh, number three um, there are other kinds of activities which are a bit more focused on fitness directly, but have a huge return for a small amount of time. Number four is building in what we call active recovery days, um, where you move your body, you look after yourself, you are generally living that kind of fitness lifestyle, but you're not killing yourself at the gym. Um, number five is really thinking about your routine and finding little hacks and moments throughout the day where you can inject this healthy mindset. Number seven is to be really careful with calories or at least become aware of them as a thing. Uh, and the app MyFitnessPal is vital in that. Following on from that, number seven is starting to understand macros and what different types of foods contain. Number eight is around meal prepping and not having any shitty food in the house so you don't have any temptations. Number four is exploring the idea of time-restricted eating. Um, as I said, the science on that is, is, seems pretty bulletproof uh, and I've noticed huge benefits myself. And the final one, number 10, is being careful with liquid calories, especially beer, wine, spirits, all of that stuff. So that brings us to the end of this episode, uh, 10 health tips for dads. If you found it useful, send it to a friend, subscribe, like, whatever platform you're on. 
uh, do the thing. I'm sure you know what that thing is to do. And yeah, as always, I appreciate your time and I'll see you here again. Next up, we are potentially going to look at 10 relationship tips, which is an episode that you have to be a bit careful with because if I am suggesting these are my 10 relationship tips, um, it makes it seem that my wife uh, is is 100% happy with our relationship, which of course isn't true. We go through trials and tribulations like anyone else. Um, and the plan is, as always with these episodes, it's my experience and a little bit of uh, conversations I've had with other dads. I've pulled together what I think the 10 best tips are. So yeah, tune into that and thank you again. Hello and welcome to the Dad Sort of Coping podcast. On this episode, we talk to one of my good friends who I used to live with at university and nearly 15 years later, we're still good pals um, and he recently became a dad about a year ago. Um, and so I chat to him about all, all aspects of dad life from the good to the bad, uh, different coping mechanisms. He particularly likes playing golf. Um, yeah, hopefully you find this helpful and yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Hopefully you guys found that informative and interesting um, and got a few useful tips along the way. Um, If you found that helpful, please do share, subscribe, send it to someone that you know might like it. Um, And if indeed you're a dad or or know of a dad who would want to appear on this podcast, let me know as well. Um, Let me know in the comments, tweet me, whatever you want to do. But yeah, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next episode.